Okay, if you've ever wanted to sell digital downloads or printables on Etsy, this is the video that will help you get started. If you like the idea of selling stuff consistently without having to constantly be marketing it, constantly having to be online, then digital downloads and selling on Etsy might be a match made in heaven. So today we're going to be talking about how to get started making things on Canva. We're going to talk about how you can do the research to determine exactly what you should be making. We're going to talk about how to get started setting up on Etsy, the do's and don'ts about doing this very thing, the mistakes that a lot of people make when they get started. We're going to save you from those and basically teach you what you need to know in order to get started making downloadables on Canva to sell on Etsy. Let's get started. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name is Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers just like you create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Welcome to the show, Cody. Great to have you with me. Thanks for having me, Jess. I'm excited for this. Well, I'm excited for the topic because it's a big one. It's something that so many people are interested in. I'm seeing more and more people popping into my world, you know, joining my Thriver Circle and asking me questions about selling printables on Etsy. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. Um, before we do, uh, I have spoken previously with your colleague, Julie, and um, there's a previous video, I'll link to that. But today I just want to get started with the basics, you know, for people who are curious, who might want to, you know, dip their toe into the water of this and don't really know how to get started. We're going to talk about Etsy. We're going to talk about Canva. But Cody, first of all, how did you get started with printables? So I actually got started because of Julie, the woman you just mentioned, my friend, now business partner, Julie. We, were, we both came from like the personal finance world. We both had podcasts and we were like big side hustlers. We were always looking for new ways to make money. At the time, I was like freelance writing. I was podcast editing, video editing, doing affiliate marketing, all of these things that I had to trade my time directly to make money. So if I didn't write the article, if I didn't edit the podcast, if I didn't edit the video, like I wasn't getting any type of income. And Julie was like, hey, I've been doing this thing called selling printables on Etsy. Basically, I like create this digital file once I put it in my Etsy shop and then I can continue to get sales on it even when I'm not working on it. I'm like, that sounds a whole lot better than what I'm doing. So <laughs> I went for it. I started creating my own printables, doing like keyword research, figuring out which digital products were going to be successful. And quite honestly, just the first few months kind of stunk. I was not a good graphic designer. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't understand keyword research. I didn't understand search intent. We'll talk about that stuff today. And so I was just fumbling. I was just like creating random designs. I think I started my shop in October. It wasn't until that February. So four months later where I like had my big break. And so this is kind of how I fell in love with printables. I know the question was, how did I get started? Got started through Julie, but I fell in love with printables this Valentine's Day. I created a bunch of stuff in January and December for Valentine's Day. I knew it was going to be a huge holiday on Etsy, just from the articles I was reading, the people I was following. So I ended up making like 20 different products and I was skiing in Lake Tahoe. My birthday is on Valentine's Day, actually. Fun <laughs> fact. So I was skiing. I was taking like the week off. I was doing a little vacation with myself and my fiance and some friends and after that week was over, I, again, I was like on vacation. I wasn't working in my shop. I had made over $700 from just a handful of these digital products that I created. And I'm like, okay, this is really cool. I'm sold. You know, I wasn't making any <laughs> money from the freelance writing, the podcast editing, because I was on vacation. Mm -hmm. But this thing, the digital products, the printables, those were making me $700 that week. So ever since then, that was kind of, that's the start and the rest is history. 
Yeah, and I think that's what's so appealing about digital products, you know, is that sort of make it once if you do a good job of it, it will just keep selling over and over again um, versus those of us, you know, with a, a traditional handmade business where you have to make every single product, um, which, you know, you're trading your time for money, as you were saying earlier. Uh, I mean, that's where I got started with digital products back in like, I think 2011 or something. I made my first. Oh, wow. You're an early bird in the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because I, I was like, oh, I keep getting all these questions and I'll, I'll put an ebook together and sell it. And I was like, wow, this is great. This is a great additional income to my handmade business. And obviously I've done lots of things like that ever since. So it is a really good, as you said, side hustle for people if they are creative and they're willing to put in the work, because it is work, isn't it? Is it like there's this idea that, oh, it's just passive income. You don't have to do <laughs> any work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. you said, yeah, it's work. It's a numbers game too. Mm -hmm. I probably made 20, 25 products from that October to February span that didn't do anything. Like they were just, they didn't sell, they weren't popular. It was a lot of, a lot of people could see it as like wasted time, but I thought of it as like a learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. Like every single time my products got a little bit better. And yeah, it was, it was a ton of work and time upfront, but that's the cool thing about any leveraged business because some people don't like the word passive income because it's mm -hmm. not completely passive, but it's more passive than something like freelance writing. So mm -hmm. yeah, that, that's why I would just like kind of fell in love with this because even though it was a ton of work at the beginning, you really kind of can reap the benefit of that labor for years to come. Yeah. Because if it sells well, it could just keep selling and selling for years and years. Year and over years, year over so. year. Yeah. Like yeah a lot exactly. of products have that have happened for me. <laughs> so you mentioned that you weren't a graphic designer. So did you use Canva to create your products? I did. did you, yeah, yeah. I started okay. on Canva and Canva's actually come a long way since I started. Mm. They have just been adding feature after feature. And so at the beginning, when I first started, like some people would be like, oh, Canva, that's like a beginner tool. You can't <laughs> compete with the Adobe suite at all. And while it's not the Adobe suite, like you can't do all of the same things you can as like Illustrator or Photoshop. Canva is now adding the layers fe feature. Canva now can, you know, add drop shadows and glow and all these different things that it couldn't do before. So mm -hmm. I have been continually impressed by Canva. But yeah, it's it was just the free version of Canva because I couldn't even afford Canva Pro when I first got started. <laughs> just I was just creating stuff on free Canva. Okay, cool. So if people do want to kind of get started, what let's talk about, you know, I, I think it's probably tempting to just sort of hop on and start making stuff. Um, is that the best way to do it? Or should you actually step back and go, okay, what should I be making and do a bit of research first? And how would you do that? I am definitely a data-driven person. And I like to just create where the demand already is rather than trying to create some novel thing that people will hopefully be searching for. So I am definitely like through and through, I'm a keyword research guy. I will not create a product unless I've done like thorough keyword research beforehand. And I'll give you some tactical tools to do that. Mm -hmm. So a couple of free ones that I really like, Google Trends, believe it or not, it's a free tool, trends.google.com mm -hmm. is a great one. And I was just giving this example the other day. Let's say you want to create like some kind of a budgeting printable, but you want to see like what's popular around budgeting printables. You could type in budgeting printable into Google Trends, and then it might tell you like, a uh, 50, 30, 20 budgeting printable is really popular right now, or maybe a zero base budget printable is popular right now. And using these keyword tools, you can start to discover what are called long tail keywords. Mm -hmm. Basically, they're exactly what I just said. So instead of just budgeting printable, because there's a ton of sellers selling a budgeting printable, if you can go one layer deeper or two layers deeper and sell a zero base budgeting um, printable, or you can sell a you know, 50, 30, 20 budgeting printable. Now you're competing with a much smaller pool of sellers and you're 
more in line with what that person on the other side of the screen is looking for. Mm -hmm. So that's what I, so Google trends is one. Another one is Pinterest trends. Cause I like to say Pinterest and Etsy go together like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. The <laughs> crossover that they have is just insane. So the people searching on Pinterest, a lot of them are Etsy buyers. So if they mm -hmm. see something that catches their eye on Pinterest, they might be clicking through and buying it on Etsy. So another one that's very similar to Google trends is Pinterest trends. Mm -hmm. Now, getting a little more technical here, there are some tools that are specific to Etsy. I personally like E-Rank. It's one of my mm -hmm. favorite ones, but there's other ones out there. There's Marmalade, there's Insight Factory, Everbee. Pick your poison. All of them are pretty good and all of them will do the job. Again, I just use E-Rank. I, I love E-Rank. And so what E-Rank can tell me and these other ones is I could go in and I could type budget printable and E-Rank will actually spit out some of those long tail keywords for me and tell me like, there's this many people searching for the zero based budgeting printable. There's this many people searching for the 50, 30, 20. There's this many people competing with you on this product. Mm -hmm. This is kind of what the seasonality of these products are. So I am, again, I'm a data guy through and through. So if I see like, okay, this zero based budgeting printable, it has less competition. It has more search volume than this 50, 30, 20 budgeting printable. I'm going to go after the zero based budgeting one. Like I'm not mm -hmm. going to spend my time creating this other one. If there's like a bunch of competition and less people are searching for it, I'm going to use the numbers. And I like to, I like to go after what I call unicorn products. They're hard mm -hmm. to find, but it's something with a ton of search volumes. There's a lot mm -hmm. of people searching for it and there's not that many other sellers on the platform competing for those buyers attention. So I know it's a long winded answer, Jess, but I'm trying <laughs> to give people the full picture here. No, that's really good. Um, so I guess my question when I hear you talk about that, to take a step back, how do you even like pick a niche at all in the first place? Like, should you go with something you're personally interested in or that you think you have skills or knowledge in to start with and kind of go from there or just sort of start typing printable into the, into the trends <laughs> and see what comes up? Like, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here, but what I will say and what I've seen from people in our community and myself if you create stuff that you're personally interested in and that you maybe have an edge and you have more knowledge about, you're probably going to be more motivated to create that printable because it might actually serve your own need, which is another great way is like think of something that you don't have that you want to create that's a printable or a digital download, create it, make it a template and then sell it to other people. Like I, I did that with my, I have a podcast. I did that with my podcast media kit and now I sell a podcast media kit template in my Etsy shop and it makes sales. So that's another way is like scratching your own itch. But yeah. I would say you can kind of go in any direction that you want, but if you have more expertise in a certain niche, I mean, just common sense wise, you're going to be able to think of newer ideas and you might have an edge. You might have some little tweak that you can add and you might just be better suited to create that type of printable since you already have the knowledge. Okay. So let's talk a little bit now about actually designing the product. Cause I know there are some rules around this sort of stuff when it comes to using Canva to design a product you're going to sell. Cause someone yes. might just get on Canva and go look at the templates and go, wow, I'll just take that template and just change some colors and then sell it as it is. I mean, can you do that? You could not do that. So <laughs> <laughs> that is a common mistake and people will, like you said, they'll go into Canva up near the top left, there's template section. There's all these beautiful invitations and games and cards. You cannot use those. You can't even start with those and then create a product for sale. You have to create something from scratch. Now, if you see a design you really like and you want to take inspiration from it and you want to create that sim a similar design from scratch, that's cool with Canva, but there are some other things to note. You got to make sure that the fonts you're using are okay for commercial use. Okay. Luckily, Canva free fonts are okay for commercial use. Some pro some Canva pro fonts aren't. You can also buy your own fonts. Like I have gone on places like font bundles and I've mm -hmm. 
creative market and other places and actually purchased fonts that are okay for commercial use, then uploaded them to Canva. I know that those are good. Also mm -hmm. elements is another thing you got to watch out for. So mm -hmm. Canva free elements are okay to use on products for resale. Some Canva pro elements are not. So again, another thing to watch out for, or like I mentioned before, you can also buy your own elements in these places like creative market, creative fabrica, design bundles, all these other places. So commercial use is an important thing. Mm -hmm. It's not like you might not get taken down day one. Cause a lot of people like just try to skirt around the commercial <laughs> use police. And you will get in trouble if you're like really blatantly violating someone's terms of service or their licensing. Like I know a lot of shots has been getting shut down lately because they're using Disney, like Disney characters and Disney themes. So definitely, definitely don't do that. But you just don't want to be breaking any of the rules. Cause the last thing you want to do is you already had, you know, you started up, you're fine at the beginning. No one's really monitoring you. There's not that many people that can, you know, police you on canvas. So you're like, maybe I'll get lucky and no one will find me. But let's say two years down the road, your Etsy shop gets shut down because you're violating all of these copyright infringements. So it's just, it's a good idea to understand and make sure that you're using all okay for commercial use elements, fonts, and, and anything that goes into your, desi into your design. Absolutely. So is it obvious on Canva? Like, how do you know if a, if a thing is okay or not to use for commercial use? So you can hover over the fonts and elements on Canva in the top right, there'll be a little like eye icon for information mm -hmm. and you can actually see the license right there and you'll know, and you'll know if it's like free or pro. So mm -hmm. yeah, I always recommend like, make sure you're hovering over the elements, make sure you're hovering over the icons. But like I said, if you're on Canva and you're just using the free elements and free icons, those are okay for commercial use. It's the pro stuff that you got to kind of watch out for sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there would be some benefits as well, like you said, to going and getting different fonts and different elements, because then you're going to create sure. something that's a little bit different, that stands out from the other things perhaps that are being created on the platform. And then, you know, you're safe as well, obviously. <laughs> that's a great point. And yeah. one thing I will say really quickly is that it's not that cost prohibitive. Like when I first started this, I'm like, oh, great, I got to go buy fonts and elements. I think I got a 99 font bundle from font bundles for $1. Like they run these crazy sales all the time. You can get a whole load of element elements, a whole load of fonts for super, super cheap. If you're just like, again, scouring all the websites I just rattled off, a mm -hmm. lot of them will have like these crazy deals. So you're not going to be breaking the bank. Don't worry. Be like, great. I'm not going to pursue the side hustle. I'm going to have to spend so much money buying all these commercial use fonts. No, they, uh, they have pretty good deals all the time. That's awesome. And yeah, I just, I want to also just pause and, and, and reiterate the, the IP thing, intellectual property. Don't use someone else's, especially Disney. That's like the, the worst possible yeah. company. Disney, Harry Potter, Star Wars, you yeah. see it all. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just don't use them. Don't, don't even think about it because <laughs> you will get caught eventually and shut down. And then, you know, the amount of people you see in Etsy Facebook groups going, my shop's been shut down. Why? And they're like, well, you were using you know, the IP from these massive companies and people just don't seem to think about the fact that you can't just use somebody else's intellectual property um, in your design. So yeah, yeah, just just don't do it and you'll be fine. You've got to, you know, use the elements that are free or elements that you've bought legitimately. Again, make sure you're not, you know, buying from someone who's selling stuff that you can't actually use because I guess that could be a problem too. Maybe if you're searching on Etsy for downloadable SVGs and stuff and somebody's selling and like And you Disney get Spider-Man or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <laughs> just because it's being sold doesn't mean it's okay. So, you know, just be Always aware of that and, and don't yep. do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So we've talked about, we've got a keyword research, you know, we have a niche that we've, we've thought about. We, we've gone into Campbell, we've designed something. Now, there probably is something important people need to know about when it comes to downloading their design 
or maybe even making the design in the first place, like what sort of sizes, what sort of file formats do people need to use? So probably 90% of the time people are going to be downloading for printables as a PDF print. That is mm -hmm. just the, like the highest quality. It's 300 DPI, which is just like lossless quality. There's not going to be any blurry lines. There's not going to be blurriness on the image when someone prints it out on their home printer or downloads it for digital use on their computer. So that's the first thing, PDF print. When it comes to size, though, it really depends on the printable itself. And this is when, so we mentioned keyword research before. I always recommend before you go and create something, just look at the competitors, see what you're up against on Etsy and see what they're offering, see what their listing images look like, see what they're using in their title. If you're using a tool like E-Rank or these other ones, you can actually see what they're using in their tags. And I'm not saying go and copy these people, but you can kind of start to notice themes like these products are all best sellers. And that's another thing on Etsy. Etsy will give people a best seller tag if they have a certain volume of sales in a certain amount of time. So you know that these ones are really, really popular with Etsy customers. And so you can glean insights off of those listings. You can be like, you know, these listings in their title, they all have this certain keyword in there. Or these listings, this listing image, like it really shows that this product is editable or it really shows that yada, yada, yada. It doesn't matter. It totally depends on the product. But with that being said, that's why... You do the research before because if you're creating a thank you card and you're creating it on a letter size or A4, A5 piece of paper, but like 90% of these are five by seven mm -hmm. inches, then you're not going to be very competitive with all the other people out there if all the best sellers are this certain size. So it's always good to do like a little bit of some competitive research, some scouting the competition before you create the printable to make sure that your printable is going to be on par or hopefully even better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned sizes there. That's another important thing. Cause like in the U S you guys have different sizes to us. We have like the a, a system, a one, two, three, yep. four, five, and you guys have something completely different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we don't know what we're doing in the U S it's all over the place. <laughs> the imperial measurements and stuff. So I guess if yeah. people need to know who they're targeting as well. Like if you're trying to sell to an American audience, you need to have American sizes. If you're trying to sell to a English or Australian audience, you need to have the correct sizes for that audience as well. And maybe you want to offer it in you know, multiple sizes. Yeah, that's a good point. And another reason why now I love Canva Pro is it actually has a one-click resize. Oh, so wow. I could create okay. a design in letter, which is like the standard US paper for Americans. And then I could resize it to A4, to A5, to A3, to five by seven, to all these different sizes with just one click, which you don't have to get Canva Pro again. I didn't have it at first, but I know <laughs> we were talking about Canva and wanted to highlight some of the cool features. That's a really cool one for me. Mm-hmm. Have you just, this is a total nerdy aside, but have you been using any of the new AI features on Canva? I have. Yeah. Canva Write. Yeah. Okay. Canva Write is pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's been fun to mess around with. I've just been blown away by AI in general. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm, I'm definitely like a tinkerer. I'm always experimenting with new stuff. I've, yeah. So I've messed around with Canva Write. I've also messed around with um, Canva Draw is something that they added like we're recording this in May, 2023. They added mm -hmm. that probably two months ago. And then they just added the layers feature as well, which is like mm -hmm. the competitor to Photoshop Illustrator where you can actually like, instead of trying to manually drag stuff and lock stuff in Canva, you can actually just like click on a layer and just edit a certain layer, which is really cool. Yeah, I've noticed that. It's so, it's so helpful. It's like, oh, finally, I can just move. <laughs> finally, <around> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's okay, so cool. much easier. <laughs> So we, you know, we have created a product. Okay. So we're then going to go put our product up on Etsy. Now, 
with your like your shop or other your students and things like that do you recommend people try to like have a niche for their shop and like do people have multiple printable shops or do they just kind of have one shop and then have sort of sections with different types of printables in it what sort of way do you reckon people should go with that for most people i recommend having one shop housing everything under one roof and then using sections mm -hmm. there are some instances where that might not be the best idea like we have one student in our community who she just wanted to focus on wedding stuff. And so her shop is just wedding stuff. So if she were to like stray away from that and maybe do other things. It wouldn't make that much thematic sense for her shop because she's done a, such a good job growing her shop. I think she has like 40,000 sales now and people wow. come specifically to her shop just for wedding stuff. So if all of a sudden she started making like Father's Day cards, people are like, what the heck's going on? Like I thought this is a wedding shop. So mm -hmm. if you really, if you already know at the beginning, like I want to be in this niche and this niche only, then it might make sense to just have that one shop. And then if you want to dabble in other stuff, open another shop. But I think just having everything under one roof is way easier. And I don't know if, if this is the case for you, Jess, but I'm I'm a huge data and analytics nerd. Most people that come to my shop, they're just buying one product and then they're kind of skedaddling. They're usually getting to my shop because of the Etsy search bar. Like I'm kind of filling that keyword gap. Like I'm, I'm finding the exact keyword that they're searching for. That product's popping up in my shop. They buy mm -hmm. the product. Unfortunately, they don't usually transact with me again. As hard as I try at adding bundles mm -hmm. and getting people subscribed on my newsletter, most people don't buy from me again. So the reason I'm saying that is unless you have like really branded your shop and you're driving a ton of traffic to your shop from outside of Etsy and people come to your shop because it's the wedding shop and mm -hmm. they expect everything to be wedding in there, most people that are shopping aren't like clicking into your shop and looking at the suite of products you have available. They're just typing in the Etsy search bar, looking for mm -hmm. the thing they're looking for, they find it, they buy it, and then that's the end of you. That's how it happens for me anyway. Yeah, because most people, I guess, who are looking for a printable trying to solve a problem. So exactly. once they solve the problem, they they don't need to come back again. So, yeah, that's a really good thing to know. What I usually say to my students is, you know, ideally, you know, your shop should either serve one ideal customer or it should have a, a theme, like an overall at least feel to it. Like you should, I recommend not having stuff that's like completely clashing, like in design style or anything like that. So that, you know, it's not, when people do go to the front page, they can kind of go, okay, this all makes sense together. But that doesn't mean you can't have different types of products in different exactly. niches. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that for sure. So what's the kind of, you know, when it comes to succeeding on Etsy, I'm assuming that what we're looking for is Etsy search traffic. That's what most people who are doing this are aiming for. You know, they're probably not planning to drive traffic much from outside of Etsy. They're looking to actually take advantage of the search on the platform, which is the whole point of being on the platform really. And that's, yeah. you know, what you pay your fees for. So what are some quick tips on, you know, taking advantage of that? I would say if you are going to take some of the things I said today and put them into action using tools like E-Rank, don't think that a small search volume means that you shouldn't go after a certain product. For example, like if there's a hundred people searching for a certain product, like a long tail keyword every single month, and there's not that many competitors, and you can even scoop up a tiny, tiny piece of that pie, you can get five out of the 100 sales at five bucks a pop, 10 bucks a pop. And you could do that over and over again. Like all of a sudden you have a little passive income product over here making you 25 a month. Then you have this one over here making you 30 a month. This one's making you 50 a month. And if you can repeat that process enough times over and over again, all of a sudden you're making like multiple hundreds or thousands of dollars per month. So that's like what's that's what's worked really well for me. And it seems mm -hmm. like a lot of students is 
going after those long tail keywords, being one of the few people who offer that specific thing. And then once you get enough of those like long tail keywords where you're getting a little slice of the pie, it starts to add up over time. Instead of just having like one rockstar product that brings in all your income, having a little bit of income diversification on Etsy. Yeah. And I think that's probably wise because things change over time as well. You know, trends will change at the time of year might change. Like people around uh, tax time might be looking for bookkeeping type stuff and people around Christmas are going to be looking for Christmas stuff, obviously. So if you can kind of tap into a few of those different niches or markets or holidays or whatever, then you're going to increase your chances of getting sales all year round. I love that you said that because this is exactly what I did. Like the first year I was ever on Etsy, that was like where I went the hardest. I was creating so much. I was spending so many hours creating products, but I was kind of doing the seasonal thing where I was chasing the trends. Like I had Mm -hmm. that first like blow up during Valentine's day. Then I had really good sales during St. Patrick's day and Easter and father's day, mother's day graduation. I just went through that whole first year, just creating stuff for every holiday. Mm -hmm. But the cool part is, and you mentioned this at the beginning, Jess is now that those same products sell over and over kind of cyclically season to season. So I have stuff from five years ago that I created during Valentine's day and Christmas that just sold this year, which is super cool. So mm. once you go through like a whole year of kind of, like you just said, maybe you have a bunch of accounting and fitness stuff in the beginning of the year when people are like New Year's resolution, you, you got that <laughs> covered. And next you have a bunch of products for Valentine's Day. You don't have to stay in one niche. Like you can kind of play the seasonality game that I play. And that's what's worked out really well for me. I'll have like huge boom and huge busts. And so I'll have like, you know, <laughs> thousands of sales and then I'll have or thousands of dollars in sales. And then I'll have like, not that many sales the week after because you know the mm-hmm. holiday's over but that, that that that's worked out really well for me is just kind of chasing the search demand and the and the seasonality mm-hmm. awesome so are there any other like do's or don'ts or tips that we haven't covered yet for beginners that you could share that will help them out i would say most people probably don't spend enough time on that main listing image like the hero image mm. and i always like to call it the gatekeeper because you could have the best product ever that perfectly fits the buyer's needs you could have the perfect title you could have the perfect tags the perfect description <laughs> but if you have an ugly listing image or a listing image that just isn't as good as the other ones on the page they're not they're probably not going to be clicking into it and therefore you're not getting that sale so i like to think of it as the gatekeeper like to get them to even get into the product and read the description and look through your other listing pictures, that first listing picture has to be really, really good. So if you're using all 10 listing pictures, spend 95% of your time on that first listing image. It is so, so important. And I see so, too many people, they finish making the product, they're like, whew, I finished making that product. They just whip together 10 <laughs> listing images, throw the product up, and they should be spending way more time on that main listing image because as good as your product is, it is about the marketing too. And a mm. big piece of that marketing game is having a good listing image. So I cannot stress the importance of that. So do you recommend people on, on a printable hero image, on that main image, do you recommend that they actually have something that says printable on it? Depends on the product. Mm. If you are in a primarily printed, shipped niche or mm. you know, all the other search results on that page are printed or shipped, it might be worth saying digital download or printable on the screen. Etsy also will actually put a little like digital download, instant download tag on your item to let you to let the buyer know that, hey, this is not getting shipped to you. This Mm -hmm. is a printable. This is something that's going to download instantly on your computer. People still do get confused, but Etsy (laughs) has made that distinction over the past couple of years because I think they were getting enough complaints from Mm -hmm. people who bought a Father's Day card and they're like, why isn't it at my door yet? It's like, well, you (laughs) bought it a week ago and you could have downloaded it. (laughs) 
yeah, I, I definitely hear those stories as well. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very important to know. Um, anything else? Let's see. What did we cover? So yeah, keyword research, my number one, make sure you have that. Make sure your listing image is good. I would say another one is title and tags and description. Mm-hmm. I know I mentioned the phrase long tail keyword. And let's go back to that very early example where like the zero based budgeting printable is like the thing. If that is the product that you're creating, make sure the first part of your title is that long tail keyword. Like you want zero based budgeting printable. Then you can mm-hmm. add your commas and other stuff after it and your brackets, whatever, however you want to do your title. I don't think there's, I, we've read into the Etsy stuff a little bit and it doesn't seem to be a huge difference between like putting the brackets and putting the commas and yeah. how many words in your title. But I will say that the, the beginning of your title, because it does get cut off, that is very, very important. Make sure mm-hmm. it is that long tail keyword you are targeting. Same thing with the description. Make sure towards the top of the description, you have that long tail keyword. So in this case, zero-based budgeting printable is somewhere near the top of your description. And then also in your tags, make sure you're putting that long tail keyword, different variations of it. And also make sure that you're not just like overlapping a bunch of stuff in your tags. Like make sure that when you're putting the tags in your listing, use all 13 and think of other variations, other keywords, other things people might be typing into the search bar. Mm-hmm. And when they get to your printable, they're like, okay, this is the thing I've been looking for. This is the thing that's going to solve my problem. Like any variation of the zero-based budgeting in this example, like maybe there's another term in another country, like maybe Mm -hmm. the UK and Australia, they call zero-based budgeting something different. Make Mm -hmm. sure you know that and put that in the tag. (laughs) So yeah, there's there's so many different little things like that. But if you can like cover all the bases when it comes to the the title, the description and the tags, then you're going to get all of the perfect buyers to your product. And if you have the good listing image, they'll (laughs) click in and purchase. Okay, let's cover one last thing that I'm sure is on everybody's minds, pricing. <laughs> yeah. How do we figure this out for a printable So, product? Yeah, so what I like to say is you don't want to be the bargain bin. You don't want to be like the 99 cent printable. I'll tell you why in a second. You also don't want to be like the most premium one because where I like to play is somewhere in the middle. You want to be like, I'm going to use American stores here. Might not might not be the same with an Australian <laughs> audience, but so you don't want to be like Walmart prices. You don't mm. want to be like, what's, I guess we can use global stores. Um, yeah, we'll use Walmart. Well, we all know Walmart, Walmart it's okay. <laughs> yeah. you don't, we all know Walmart. You don't want to be Walmart. You don't want to be Versace. Mm-hmm. You want to be like some, some brand in the middle that has a pretty reputable name. And it's like, you know, mid-tier pricing. The reason you don't want to be the bottom of the barrel, you don't want to be Walmart is because Quite frankly, as a buyer, if you're buying something and you see like the 99 cent option and then there's one for like $3.99, $4.99, that's kind of the middle of the pack. There's something in our minds that says, you know what? That might actually not be as valuable as this other one that's a little more pricey just because like that's just human psychology. We mm-hmm. we value what we pay a little bit more for. So you're like, honestly, like I, I really want the good version of this. I'll spend a couple extra bucks to get this like middle of the road one rather than just this like, again, this bargain bin printable. You also don't want to be in the high side because if you're pricing something at $20 and everyone else is at like seven or eight, even if your thing looks so much better, it's going to be hard to eke out the competition that way. Like it's mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're a product would have to be so much better than the other people for people to go for that price point. So that's why I always say, try to be in the middle of the pack. If you can start a little bit lower when you first list the product to get some traction, I've actually done that before, like almost have like a sale, like a discount mm-hmm. on the product when you first list it, but don't be doing the, the 79, 99 cents because you're just eating in your margins and your product just doesn't seem that valuable to buyers. So yeah. 
Start start mid low end middle. <laughs> mm-hmm. So normally I'm very very strong on this with my students, and I'm like, you can't price based on the competition with handmade mm. products because you have to do the sums. You have to work out your materials cost, your time, your overheads, all that sort of stuff. It's a bit different with digital products though, because all of the work is upfront, and then exactly. it can just sell forever. So you know, it's really difficult to do any sort of calculation on that uh, because you don't know how many you're going to sell, you know. So I think in the case of digital products, it is actually important to go look at your competition and actually, yeah, yeah, sort of try to put your pricing somewhere in, like you said, that middle of the pack of your competition because there's really no other logical (laughs) way to do the cut. I mean, you can, you could go, well, if I sell five of these each month for a year and then blah, 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 and work it out from there. But, <laughs> you know, that's, you're just making stuff up at that point. So you're making stuff up. Yeah. What I will say, and you probably do the same thing, Jess, like when I'm buying on Etsy, I'm not like just staring at the prices. I am mm-hmm. looking at that main listing image. And yeah. that's why I cannot emphasize it enough. Like if you mm-hmm. see the perfect thing and it's five ninety nine. And then there's something that's like decent and it's like $199. You're probably gonna buy the $599 one. Like it's mm-hmm. it's not that big of a difference. And you're like, okay, this list, this looks like exactly what I'm looking for. The title is exactly what I was looking for. The description matches exactly what I was looking for. That main listing image drew me in. I clicked on it and now now they're sucked in. So like again, the, the main listing image is really, really, really important. Most people aren't just yeah. like looking at the pr- the price <laughs> line of everything that shows up on the Etsy results <laughs> results page. They're looking at the, li- the listing images and titles. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm always saying that to my students, that 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 first image is the most the most important part of selling an Etsy oh, yeah. is that mm-hmm. listing. And, you know, you can have like you said, all the other stuff can be brilliant, but if you don't have a, a beautiful, enticing, clickable first image, no one is ever going to come in to your shop to buy anything. And I even go as far as to say, stop worrying about marketing your shop or mark, you know, doing all the keyword research and stuff until you get that image right. Get that image right. That is the most important thing. That is what drives people to click through. And, you know, if if you don't know anything about the Etsy algorithm, I'm, I'm going to put a link below to a video I've done on exactly how things rank on Etsy and how they go up the rankings. And that is so mm-hmm. important because getting click-throughs and getting favorites and sales is what makes things trend and what makes things go up. So, yeah, 100% agree with you. Make that image amazing and that will make a huge difference to your success. This is an analogy I like to use. This is this is going on YouTube, right? We might have some people watching this on YouTube. <laughs> There's a reason why all the YouTubers have like thumbnails where they're like, yeah, and they point to like some crazy number. They're like, he makes a thousand dollars per month with this product. There's a reason they do that. It's just like the Etsy listing thing. They have to get your attention. They they have to get you into that video. So if Jess were to just put like a picture of a rock as the, as the YouTube <laughs> thumbnail in this video, even it had the coolest title ever. And like, this was the best content ever on selling on Etsy. People aren't going to click into it. They're like, yeah. what the heck? Just a picture of a rock. Yeah. Um, so, but if they have, if you have some like flashy thumbnail with something that's going to grab your attention, it's the same exact thing as Etsy. So I love, I love when I'm talking to a YouTuber or, you know, <laughs> this, some people might be watching on YouTube and you'll notice this now as you scroll through yeah. on the sidebar or wherever on YouTube, like <laughs> people are gunning for your attention and they're, you know, people are good at it. And that's why they have a lot of subscribers and get a lot of views. Yeah, absolutely. So, so important. Awesome. Cody, thank you so much. This has been so useful. I think anyone who, you know, wants to get started with selling printables on Etsy using Canva has gotten some really valuable information from our chat today. Um, Now, let's tell people a little bit more about you because you have your community. You know, if anybody wants to learn how to do this really in depth, then that's the place to go, right? 
Yeah. And I actually have a freebie for your audience that we typically sell. So if you were to go to our website, that's why I want to make sure people use your special link. If you were to go to our website and try to get this ebook that we're giving away, it's called the seasonal product secret. Basically, like I said, I kind of figured out how to make sales, the boom and busts throughout the entire year. So we have this ebook called the seasonal product secret. It's 22 pages long. It has product ideas for every single month, January through December. And through just a special link, you guys will get it for free. Like I said, if you buy it on our site, it's 27 bucks. But since you're watching this, since you got this far and you're already like this <laughs> into creating printables, you might as well just get started or at least start to brainstorm some product ideas. So you can download that with just a special link. It's a seasonal product secret ebook. And yeah, that's probably the best place to start. It's just getting awesome. getting a, getting your first product idea, hopping mm -hmm. into Canva because I'm a huge fan of momentum. Mm -hmm. So if you do take that first step and start designing that first printable, you won't be able to stop. It's like a snowball. Yeah. So. And don't, yeah. don't, don't be too like hard on yourself. I think, you know, mm. have fun with it, like go in, experiment, play around with it. And, you know, you've, you know, you want to enjoy it. You want to, you want to find stuff that is fun to do and that'll keep the momentum and it'll keep the, the interest and the passion there as well. I think a lot of people kind of are scared to get started because they're like, oh, I'm not a graphic designer. I'm, you know, what if what I make is terrible and, you know, it doesn't look good <laughs> and whatever, you know, you're only going to get better by practice and by experimentation. So just dive into it and start playing around with it and see what happens. Very true. Couldn't say awesome. better myself. <laughs> Thanks so much, Cody. Thank you. Appreciate it. How good was that? Remember to get your free download from the link below, but also before you go, a really important part of this process that we talked about was pricing. If you want a little bit more guidance on that, I have a video on how to price digital products and downloads, no matter what they are, you might sell patterns, you might sell printables. This video will help you to get a bit clearer on how to price them. So check that one out right here. Thank you so much for watching. If you found this one helpful, give me a thumbs up. Tell me what your biggest takeaway was in the comments below and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss my future videos on how to have a thriving and profitable handmade business. I'll catch you in the next one. Bye for now.